0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Well, it's 5:30 on a Friday here at the Nasdaq market site, and that can only mean one thing: it is time for options action. Here's what's on tap.
2: Coming up on the big show, we're headed to Sin City, and the Chartmaster's feeling lucky. He'll tell us the one name he's rolling the dice on. Plus, it's a whole new world for Disney, as the company gets ready to launch its new streaming service. But Dan Nathan says there is something else that could take investors on a magic carpet ride. He'll tell us what it is. And later, Mike Coe has a 5-star Uber rating. But how will he rate Uber stock heading into next week's earnings? Buckle up, because it's time to risk less and make more. Options action begins right now.
1: And let's get right to it. Earnings season is in full force. But will the force be with Disney when it reports next week? The media giant has trailed the broader market this year. But Dan says the stock could conjure up some magic when it releases earnings on Thursday. So let's get in the money right now. Dan, take it away.
3: Yeah, so back in July, the stock was massively outperforming the market. It had a lot of momentum. Um, we have a five-year chart. We're going to start with this. This thing had been range-bound. It had been finding a lot of resistance um, for years at that 120 level, and it broke out in April when they gave some color about this Disney Plus service, the streaming service that they are rolling out um, in just a couple of weeks. And so that chart's really interesting to me. You see that island that it's spent in the last you know, six or so months kind of trading um, above 130 kind of interesting setup. When you think about earnings next week, the options market is implying a little less than a 4% move, about $5 in either direction, which is kind of double of the average move over the last four quarters. Obviously that big move in April did not come on an earnings event, but it came on a product announcement. So when you think about this earnings event a week before the launch of Disney Plus, my guess is you're not going to get a lot of the color on subscribers that investors really want to hear because they don't have them yet. You know, They announced this deal with Verizon I think it's a great deal Verizon unlimited customers in the U.S. are going to have one year free of this Disney Plus service. I think it's going to be a very sticky service. I think this is at the price point of about $6. This is going to be a force to be reckoned with. But here's the trade into the report. I don't know if 132 and a half where the stock closed today is a good entry in front of that earnings report. There is that gap between 120 and 130 that if there's any disappointment, I think it can kind of get in there. But I think this is a name as you head into 2020 that you want long exposure for. Once investors are able to model out what subscriber growth looks like and what the profitability of this business could look like as they get to tens of millions of subscribers, I think the stock goes higher. So here's the trade. I don't really know whether 132.5 is a great entry point, but I know that I want to kind of set up to own this thing. So today, with the stock closing at 132.5, I think you look to a risk reversal in January expiration that would be selling a downside put and using some of the proceeds to help finance the, the uh, purchase of an upside call. And this just kind of gives me some room on my entry point. So today, when the stock was trading 132.5, you could buy the January 120, 140 risk reversal, selling one of the January 120 puts at a dollar. $1.20, buying one of the January 140 calls at $2.20, that costs me $1. That is my max risk. Above 120. So my worst-case scenario, the stock on January expiration is 120 or lower, and it's as if I am long 100 shares, and I lose that one dollar. But long it and have that exposure below 120. But to the upside, above 140, I have unlimited exposure. It costs me a dollar for that. So here's the thing: I have this risk-reward that I think is very favorable. I think 120 is a level where a lot of people are going to come back and buy it if the stock's down there.
1: Before we get everybody's take on the trade, we do have breaking news out of D.C. Let's get straight to and Javers. With
3: that. Amen. Melissa, President Trump, just speaking to
4: reporters on the South Lawn a few moments ago, talking about the stock market today. The president very much seeing the rally today as a a real endorsement of his. Priorities as president of the United States. I asked him about his tweet uh, that he had made saying that the stock market would be much higher if it wasn't for the impeachment debate that's going on up on Capitol Hill. The president said he thinks it would be much, much higher if it wasn't for impeachment. But then, oddly, the president also told me that he believes that the, the Dow went up about 300 points today because of the release of the Ukraine transcript, which, of course, was released a couple of weeks ago. So uh, the president sort of tying all those elements together Uh, in his argument that the market very much is tracing the fortunes of his presidency, and he says that if he uh, were to be removed from office, uh, there could be a real crash uh, in the stock market. The president also uh, talking about some possible locations for his next meeting with Xi Jinping. He says that negotiations on the China trade deal are going well, not offering any new specifics there, but throwing out the possibility of Iowa as a meeting location for his meeting with Xi Jinping, because he says it's all about the farmers. The president said that's not a defense Definitive yet, uh, but it's something that they're considering because, of course, they do need a new meeting location uh, now that uh, Chile has canceled the APEC summit. So the president working through the list on that. uh, But an interesting analysis of uh, what happened with today's 300-point rally, uh, Melissa, and saying that ultimately is because of the release of that Ukraine transcript.
1: Did the president even mention the jobs report, Eamon?
4: He did. The president uh, is enthusiastic about the jobs report and enthusiastic about uh, what it says about the economy. And the president uh, quoted the old line, it's the economy, stupid.
1: <laughs> All right. Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers you in Washington, D.C. Um, I haven't heard that, that analysis in terms of linking today's record rally in the S&P 500 to the release of the Ukraine transcript.
3: N- no.
5: Probably yeah. Not. Um, and Disney is at an interesting
1: level. I love how Carter wants to go back. Well, you know, I listen, as, yeah. as he was
3: brought up, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all and just talk about Disney because okay. uh, happy. Well, then
1: let's resume our discussion yeah. about Disney. Dan had some interesting charting in <laughs> he terms did. of living he did. On an island. I mean, look,
5: the, the key is obviously if you get something that's unhappy, you have the risk of a quick fill of that gap. And Dan's aware of that, and that's why he's done the 120 level so that if it's put to you, it's going to be at the level where the gap is then extinguished, so to speak. So... It's the way to do it because basically Disney has been stuck ever since that really epic uh, breakout and gap on 65 million shares back in April. And so now the standoff continues. Um, This is the way to get long.
1: Mike in Vegas, what did you make of Dan's trade?
6: Well, there's some things I, I like about it. You know, if you sit there and try to buy premium every single time you have an upcoming catalyst, that's usually not a winning strategy. He is looking to offset some of the long premium that he's purchasing Selling some you know, relatively short dated puts, less than 90 days is usually the kinds of uh, premium that I'm looking to sell. That said, you know, we have seen some gaps lower in Disney earnings. I mean, one of the most profound was certainly in August of 2015. You're not collecting that much as a percentage of the current stock price valuation on Disney right now is trading pretty close to its all-time peak, and you might not see that in the stock price. Why is that? Because they've taken on quite a lot of debt, frankly, since a year ago, probably about $40 billion of incremental debt on the balance sheet. So that is one of the reasons why we might be seeing a higher implied move right now. Obviously, as the debt level goes up, volatility of the equity is going to get higher, and we're seeing that uh, implied in the options prices going into earnings. So I like the idea of buying the the, uh, calls there for $2.20. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with selling those puts at uh, only $1.20.
1: All right, let's uh, move on here from the Magic Kingdom to Sin City. Let's get a check on the casino stock. Shares of Wynn Resorts leading the group this year up nearly 25%. Las Vegas Sands not far behind, up around 21%. MGM's bringing up the rear with a 19% move higher in the year. But despite these big gains, the chart master is still feeling pretty lucky rolling the dice on one of these names. So why don't you head over to the plasma car to break it down?
5: Sure, guess. so you see those numbers. Those are all sort of market-performing numbers, basically in line with the S&P. Um, but we're going to look at LVS and see if Perhaps there's something setting up uh, which should lend itself to a pop. Um, let me just clear this Disney, and we will move on to LVS. I'm not sure we have. Uh, yes and no. Okay, so there's a bit of a skew, and there it is. Perfect. So what I've got here first is the consumer discretionary ETF, XLY, which, of course, a, a casino stock is, highly discretionary. You don't have to go to Vegas. But what we know is that this laggard relative to its sector is either – a problem, or it has been a problem that's about to change and to be something good. That's my premise. Let's take a look at this chart another way. Rather than a comparative line, this is the relative line, meaning this is LVS on top and here's relative performance to the XLY on the bottom. Now watch, look at the next one and take a look at the following. What's happened here, and I'm going to zoom this out, is that we have now broken above the relative downtrend line. Let's get rid of that. That's an important development. Now take a look at the top We have not broken out on an absolute basis. So, again, we've started to move higher. We're outperforming the sector of which it is a part, but we haven't broken out on an absolute basis. So let's go to the absolute chart itself. And my premise here is that we are actually, for the first time now, going to, rather than fail at this level, we're going to break out. Why? Because I think what you've got here is a perfect minor head and shoulders bottom And the setup calls for that. LVS on the long side, simple as that.
1: All right. Mike, since you're joining us from Sin City, why don't you give us a trade?
6: Yeah, so Las Vegas Sands, interestingly, isn't so much a Las Vegas company. So less than 16% of their overall revenues come from the United States. Less than 15% of their net operating income comes from the United States. Most of it comes from Macau and secondarily from Singapore. about So you're talking about over 80% of the revenues from those two places. And Macau is very important because, of course, we know that one of the things that was hurting this company was that there was a crackdown on some of the junkets from people coming from China to Macau. What they have done to try to mitigate that is they're going more towards mass market. The nice thing about the mass market is, though, even though they bet much less, the win rate for the casinos is substantially higher, 40% versus 10% for, say, the high-end Baccarat players. So I like the company. I like the valuation at 19 times. I want to sell some premium here to fund the purchase of some longer-dated calls. I was looking very simply at the November-January 65 call spread. That was going to cost me approximately a dollar 30. And the idea here is that the decay on those shorter-dated calls, which are going to expire two weeks from today... That's going to help offset that longer-dated call purchase. And then hopefully next month, I'll be able to sell some more calls against this and hopefully some higher strike ones. So if we start to see this go up towards 65, I'm going to still own those longer-dated January 65 calls. Maybe I can look to sell some 67.5s or even 70s if we get the rally that Carter is talking about. So I like the stock. I'm a little uneasy generally with getting you know, long stock or short naked puts here just because of where I think we are in the market but I like the stock and I think this is the way we make it play for the upside.
1: What do you make of the trade, Dan?
3: Yeah, listen, you know, Mike didn't like me selling a downside put that was 90 days out, 10% out of the money. I I don't like him selling a a call that is only two weeks away, but it's a couple bucks out of the money, a few percent, and it's half the percent of the stock price. I don't think it really does much for you. So if you're bullish the way Carter is on the technicals and you're bullish on the fundamentals the way Mike is, I think you just buy a call or a call spread. All
1: right. For everything Options Action, head to our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, check out our newsletter.
2: Here's what's coming up next. It's been a bumpy road for Uber since its IPO. But if you're betting the stock will make a U-turn on its earnings next week, our Mike Co. will tell you where to park your cash ahead of the results. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. If you thought Disney was the only big name reporting earnings next week, think again. Uber hits the ignition on a full slate of earnings uh, reports after the bell Monday. But that's not all. Uber's insider lockup expires Wednesday, freeing up a lot more shares that could potentially hit the market. If you want to get in on the action, buckle your seatbelt because Mike has got a strategy for you. Mike, what is it?
6: Yeah, so we're taking a look at a uh, call calendar here. And, you know, as you pointed out, there's two very meaningful catalysts. First of all, there isn't that much of an earnings history for Uber. So in cases like this where you have stocks where they recently IPO'd, very often their earnings tend to be more volatile than they are in subsequent years after you have a little bit more of a history and investors are better able to digest the news and information that they're receiving. But of course the lockup expiring is also potentially a very big catalyst and potentially can put a lot of pressure on the stock. You know, one of the things that causes is exceptionally high options premiums. We're seeing an implied move of about thirteen and a half percent. That would translate to a market capitalization move of about 7.2 billion dollars in the stock. But the point that I would make here is that there's two opposing forces, right? So we're not expecting very good news out of earnings. This is a company that's burning through a lot of cash. We're not expecting them to turn a profit. So I think they could potentially offer some form of an upside surprise. The other thing is there's a very significant and high short interest in the stock, close to 30% of the float. One of the things that does is when you have a lot of shorts in the name, they could potentially create some measure of support. So you could create pressure on the stock, from insider selling, you could create support from short covering. So those two things might actually mean that the stock could move less than a lot of people seem to be anticipating here. So I was just taking a look at essentially an at-the-money call calendar, the 32 strike November, January. This thing was pretty inexpensive when I was taking a look at it because of the high price of those near-dated options. You could spend $3.10 to buy those January calls, sell the ones that expire in one week for $1.80. So that's a net outlay of $1.30. And the idea here is that if the stock doesn't move as much as anticipated, you could see decent profits. And then you could own that call for the longer term and look for other things to do here. On the flip side, if it does get that big move, the most you're going to risk is the $1. thirty that you spent. So this is a way to make a play that it might move less than the 13.5%. Get to own that longer-dated call if you wish and play for these two opposing forces to potentially mitigate one another.
1: Carter, what do you think? I mean,
5: personally, I think this is flipping coins, right? When you don't have a lot of price discovery, which uh-huh. Mike talked about, new, and you also have something that is valuation vacuum I mean, what is it really worth and you haven't quite settled that and we know what can happen when you see a thing like pinterest or beyond meat uh, and how they can plunge or even a more sort of mature a stock like twitter uh, the risks are that something really unhappy happens and so obviously it's the way to cope with it is some sort of options trade and that's the point of the show but just to go and make a directional bet outright with a stock is is that it's coin to us
3: Yeah, actually, that's a really interesting discussion because I think Mike laid out a scenario where it could go either way. But if you're kind of positively disposed for the name, this trade could set up okay. Um, But I agree. I mean, if Mike was coming out and saying buy calls because I think it's going higher, that's a tougher sell. And I think that he is really taking advantage of very elevated premium, short dated premiums. And if the stock just doesn't get creamed, this trade will work out okay. Mm -hmm. So I like the trade um, from that standpoint. But I agree. Totally fundamentally, if we're not talking about options trade, I would say just thinking about the news that Lyft has had over their last two earnings quarters, and we know how the direction of that stock has been... You know, I don't think the trajectory is going to change in either name on one quarter on a dime. And I think you're going to get an opportunity, uh, probably in Uber, to buy it lower if you want to.
1: The Lyft news, though, on earnings was actually good. And it's the good. stock action was
3: good, too. It was good. And, and so that was, this is their third quarter. Lyft came out earlier yeah. than Uber. Um, so to me, I'm just more focused on Lyft. I think it's a better pure play on North American rideshare. I think there's a lot of things going on in Uber. Some could be very good. And I think, Dara, they're, they're getting their handles on some of those other levers. Um, but I just don't know. I just don't know when the bottom.
5: And even Lyft, after popping, has given it
1: back. I mean, So it's just sort of, yeah. 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 Last word, Mike?
6: Yeah. I mean, Uber has outperformed the market over the last three weeks. But to Dan's point, I will say this. Uber's better positioned than Lyft in many ways. Their cost per ride is about half of that of Lyft's. And, of course, this is a business where scale matters. But fundamentally, we have to figure out how these companies, whether it's Lyft or Uber, are going to make money. I would never advise, actually, that you run out and buy either of these stocks right here.
1: All right, speaking of autos, we do have some breaking news here. The uh, October auto sales rate coming in at 16.58 million, and that rate is notable because it is the lowest in six months, this according to auto data. Up next, one industrial stock tested its metal against the street and won. We'll tell you why that's great news for one of our traders. Plus, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Tweet us your burning options questions at Options Action. You just might get your answer on air. Don't go anywhere. Much more Options Action right, right after this.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC business news updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Dan said U.S. Steel would show its metal with a strong earnings report.
3: Our chart since it started 2018, if you look at this downtrend, it has just been something, of, you know, just take a ruler and draw a line um, right there. It's been bouncing off a of 10 a couple of times or a handful of times in the last couple of months here. Short interest is at 33%. Wall Street analysts hate it. There's two buys, eight holds, and six sells. Um, You know, I look at this and I say to myself, they don't even have to say anything good. They just don't have to say anything bad. And this stock probably rallies. The 12 calls when the stock was 1170 were offered about 58 cents.
1: Well, X beat the street, surging 15%. So what do you do now, Dan?
3: Yeah, so there's just a few options here. Obviously, you can take the profit, I would say, when you have something that's up more than a double. You do that on at least half, and if you're still convicted, then you let that run. You could roll it up and out. You could choose a higher strike and another expiration, or you could just take the profit. It was a good trade. It was contrarian trade, and obviously with defined risk, but um, it don't always go this way, so sometimes it makes sense to put them in the bank.
5: That's right. Everybody, you grab it. This is this is the GE. This is the Kraft Heinz, something that just down and down and down and gets a pop, you, you thank your lucky stars, grab it and go.
1: All right. And a couple of weeks back, Mike said the rally in the home builders might be ready for a breather.
6: Another nice thing about spreads like this, credit spreads, out of the money credit spreads, they tend to have a better than 50-50 probability of profit. And the reason for that, as we're about to demonstrate, is that you can have three things happen to a stock. So we can see here what has happened with Pulte. My bet is that we've had a really strong run coming in here, and that maybe we just hit the pause button on earnings. Specifically, the call spread I was looking at was the November 39.40 call spread.
1: Well, after our post-earnings pop, Pulte Group is down a little more than 1% this week. So, Mike, what are you doing now?
6: Yeah, so this trade was pretty much scratching middle of the week. I mean, at this point, one thing to consider when you have these types of spreads on, this is now in the money, so actually you're paying essentially to own it. I would actually blow this thing out on Monday and look for another opportunity to reenter it. I would say, given the market strength, that this hasn't relatively been as strong as you might otherwise think it would be.
5: Well, that's right. So this, for the structure on the option side, it's, it's move along uh, in terms of the premise of a group that's overbought and needs to rest and or give back, that part is intact.
1: Oh, it is. Meaning yeah.
5: it's, it, it, and it is, it's, it's, it's had a very bad week for home millers. Right. And the, uh, the thought that they'll somehow quickly get going again is
1: not a good bet. Yeah. You, you agree, Dan?
3: Yeah, I, listen, I think that they've overshot. They've obviously been uh, relative outperformers all year. Um, who knows if rates are going back down lower, it might be a, like a kind of a support level for them, but I, I just don't know.
1: Up next, final call. Call Mike.
6: Yeah, Uber call calendars going into earnings and the lockup expiration.
1: Carter.
5: Walgreens, FedEx, LVS. Short the S&P.
1: Dan.
3: Wow. Um, yeah, hey, listen, Disney had a really nice bounce off of that 200-day moving average today. I think you pay it through risk reversals from the bullish side.
1: it for us. See you back here next Friday for more options action. Have a great weekend. Mad Money starts right now.